Welcome to another episode of Tell Me More. My name is Luke Stair, and today Dr. Wiles and I are having a conversation about how we do apologetics faithfully, uh, but also why he chose to start the year with Genesis and what it means for us moving forward as a church. It's a great conversation. I hope you'll stay tuned. Welcome to another episode of Tell Me More. Uh, we're back in the new year after my absence last week, and uh, it's good to be here. My name is Luke, and I'm here with Dr. Wiles, and we are talking about why anything matters, kicking off our theme for 2023. So here what we a, are. What a great theme. I'm excited think, about it. Who came up with that? It's just <laughs> genius. You know, it's funny. Last year, let's see. Uh, yeah, last year, before you came, join our staff. Um, we were um, in the midst of this um, conversation about re dot, dot, dot. And one of the questions we, we had, a, we'd put together kind of an um, outreach evangelistic team and we were just having a conversation about Easter. So what, so mm-hmm. what are, how are we going to promote, what are we going to talk about at Easter? And I said, well, I've landed on this question, even though we're talking about redemption, that's our re word. I was just this question, why does Easter even matter? You know, what so I said, so what's the big deal about Easter? Well, when I had uh, I shared that what's the big deal about Easter with Cindy, uh, my wife, she said, I don't I don't like the way you asked that question. I don't I don't like you saying big deal in Easter in the same sentence. And I was like, Oh, okay. She said, It sounds disrespectful. <laughs> and so <laughs> we come back to our next meeting and and so I told this group of staff members, I said, Okay, what if we just say, Why does it matter? You know? not what's the big deal, you know? And so, well, that led to a conversation. Well, the next thing, you know, Andy and several others on our team are going, well, you know, we could we could actually have a website that just says, why does it matter? Or, or you know, a, a web page or whatever, a URL. Well, then the next thing, you know, we have this conversation about sharing the gospel in all these different languages and put it on that spot, uh, whydoesitmatter.org, which it still is. It's still the there. It's great if you've um, never looked at it. But then that just kept hanging in the air with me all year long. And so we get to July and I'm headed off for study leave. And I, the, I was sitting at Hilton Head my very first day there just with a blank piece of paper in my Bible. And I thought, okay, 2023. So I wrote 2023 on the piece of paper. And and, and I just told the Lord, I said, you know, I, I love doing this. This is just, I feel like I, I bring stuff with me to kind of review, which I do. I have like the last 10 years of everything we've done, you know, so I've got all that laid out. And and the first thing I wrote on that paper was, why does it matter? And I just, I just couldn't get, I just couldn't get that out of my head. And I thought, you know what, that's, that's 2023. So I'm really excited about it. And then launching in the winter, why does anything matter? Which Mm. I think, Luke, what a great question coming out of a pandemic to me. Right. I think just a great question for, I mean, even the last decade of life in our culture. Yeah. Yeah. Why does anything matter? Why, yeah, why does uh, some of these decisions that are being made by powers that are way beyond us. I wonder sometimes, are y'all, are y'all, are y'all thinking about how these decisions matter and the lives that are going to be affected? And, you know, so yeah, that's, it's a great conversation. So I'm really looking forward to this year. So, I am too. Yeah. It's off to a great start, I think. And I love the way I think the theme complements these goals that you set for our church so well, especially these goals of evangelism and apologetics. Mm-hmm. And why does it matter? And then fill in the it with the various themes that we're going to work through the year. Mm-hmm. But it's a question that people outside the church are asking, why does anything matter? Mm-hmm. Why does religion matter? But it's also a question that we need to learn to answer. 
Right. Not only because people outside the church are asking it, but because we need to understand mm-hmm. why it matters. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm excited to dive into that mm-hmm. as a church. Yeah. And then, you know, the First Peter 3, where Peter says, you know, revere. I love that he says, revere Christ in your hearts first. So you, to me, that's the... And of course, he ends by saying, "Do this, you know, respectfully, graciously, whatever. Do do it with um, gentleness and respect." I think is the is the translation. But you start with humility. You revere Christ, but then be ready to give an answer for the hope. Yeah, the hope that you have in Christ, which is awesome. You know, so that word answer, apologia, apologetics. You know? Yeah, and I think we probably should have a conversation about apologetics on Sunday. You talked about how it's. Not always arguing. Mm-hmm. You talked about just kind of the faults in arguing. Mm-hmm. We live in an argumentative culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't have to read more than three comments on anything on social media or any <laughs> website to realize that we live in a contentious, mm-hmm. argumentative culture. Mm-hmm. So how in that kind of culture that we're a part of, do you make sense of apologetics from a place of it's an answer for hope? Mm-hmm. And it's done out of gentleness and respect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is is a word about. I think it's a word about tone, um, the tenor of a conversation. You're you're right, Luke. Sometimes um, it's just it's just interesting to me um, when you you know the way news is, I guess, reported now. It's. Uh, um, and I, I'm not saying that when I was growing up, things were better because that's not true. There were so many, there's so many things that are so much better today for sure. But, um, but you, at least it felt like when the news was being reported, there was at least a time where, you know, you, you were just kind of hearing a, a reporting of things. It wasn't slanted normally. Maybe it was, we just didn't realize it. But now, you know, it's, it, it, it really does depend upon which cable network you choo- choose to tune into. Um, so I've been kind of doing a little experiment just over the last little while, over the holidays, just kind of switching between the various outlets that we have available to us. Mm-hmm. Today. And it's been really fascinating, Luke, because there can be something that one network, you would think this is all that is happening in the world. You flip to another network; they're not even reporting on it. They're not even mentioning it. They don't even—they act like it's not. You would, if you were watching that network, you wouldn't even know that this other thing is going on. And then you, and they're talking about something completely different with a very different slant mm. and take on it. And then I'll flip back, and I, there were several times over the holidays I just laughed out loud because I was thinking this is this is almost like somebody else is doing this as a joke on all of us. You know, well, let's put this on this network and make it sound like that's all that's going on. Well, this well, don't mention it on this network and act like it does doesn't even exist because that is exactly what happens. And then when you are talking about a topic, they always have the polar opposites. You have at least one representative of either extreme. And you're right. It's just an argument. It's not a discussion. It's not a conversation. It's not an attempt to find common ground. I mean, all those things that you think that we're taught how to do to relate right. to one another just doesn't exist publicly. <laughs> you know, right. It's fascinating to me. And it's like we're We've unlearned one skill, and we're relearning just this argumentative spirit of of just being so combative. So yeah. what I want to put in front of our people is that is one way to go about it, to, just to be argumentative. Um, I, I typically don't respond well to that. <laughs> you know? I generally do not either. <laughs> so um, I just don't think that people do in general. 
And so um, an answer is different than arguing. And then I also loved this idea, you know, this business consultant that I quoted Sunday that um, there's power in stories, maybe even more so than arguments. And I think that it's not that we don't need to have the understanding and the basis of the argument. It's how to deliver it and, and how do you couch it and contextualize it. That's why I think the power of the narrative is is really good. And Jesus was so good at that. He was. You know, just so good at it. And and I think God's good at it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, I'm reading studying Genesis right now because I'm about to teach oh, it's through beautiful. it. Beautiful. Yeah, it's a story, you know, and it's and it is the story of everything that matters, really. And uh and so I'm wanting us to learn together how do we weave this into a a story that's our story, that's a big story. And um I'm hoping that um as the year progresses, that we're going to find examples of our people being able to actually demonstrate this in just everyday life, you know? Yeah. Um, just like Sunday when I asked the uh, – I had several folks come up to me afterwards to just say, um, okay, I'm, I'm going to do a little poll. I'm going to ask some people, why does anything matter? Good. That's what I'd like for you to do. I'd, I'd love to get – I'd love to hear the report back from our people. What yeah. do they hear? What why, does, why do people think anything matters? You know, what's, what's your basis for that, you know? So – I'm I'm really looking forward to it, but the the idea of the the argumentative spirit and the combative um, tenor, I just I think it's out of it's out of out of place, you know. Yeah. Maybe there's a time and place for everything, you know. Like if you're in a debate, I get that you're making a case, but you can still make a case without being argumentative. I, I remember one time I was watching George Will years ago. And he was in a, a public debate with with this other guy, and um, and they were debating a, a political perspectives. And Will was representing the more conservative viewpoint, but the other person was just really argumentative. And there were numerous times where he interrupted George Will, and so they got to some point in the conversation or the debate, and George Will just was kind of sitting there, and and so finally the guy said, "Well, George, you, I mean, are you going to fight back? Are you going to, you know, are you going to state your case?" And he said, "Well, I want to say two things to you." He said, first of all, if if we want to do this, we can go back and review the tape of this." And he said, "I've not interrupted you one time. You've interrupted me numerous times." He said, "And secondly, I'm the resident expert on how I I intend for my sentences to end." You don't know how I plan to do that," he said. So I would just appreciate the opportunity to end my own thought, and then let you respond to it. And I thought, "What a!" And he said it very gently and smiled while he was saying it, and it changed the tenor of that conversation. And it wasn't necessarily that that guy ended up agreeing with George politically, but he at least agreed to the terms of the conversation going forward. Well, that I'll never forget that. I thought, "What a great model for me," you know that. Um, Everybody has an opinion, and they are the resident expert of their opinion, and it's they okay are. for me to hear it, you know. But I need to be the resident expert of mine, and it needs my opinion needs to be grounded as a Christian yes, in truth, in fact. And so um, that's why I'm, I'm really enjoying this book. I mentioned Sunday Scrivener has written this book, The Air We Breathe, and I know you've started reading it as well. I, Are you really guys associates it. reading it too? Yeah, glowing reviews. I think from everyone who's reading it on really? our staff. Yeah, I, I just, I just like his take on these values that have just been woven into our our mindset, if you will, almost our worldview, 
and they actually are incredibly rooted in Christianity and at least the Judeo-Christian view of the world. And it's like we don't even know it. We don't even acknowledge it, <laughs> you know. So I think it's a great starting point for us, you know. I think so. I appreciate so many of the things you've said, especially as someone who's called to help our church think evangelistically mm -hmm. and how we tell the story. And this spirit of gentleness, I think we often underestimate that when we are trying to share the good news of Christ, hey, we do have a story to tell. Mm -hmm. There is a really vital role in us listening to other people and listening to their thoughts and their stories so that we can actually engage with what they're really talking about, not what we just think they're talking about. Um, you also reminded me, I'm pretty sure it was C.S. Lewis who, though he knew all of the rational arguments for Christianity, ultimately decided to become a Christian because it was the most beautiful story. And that's actually the main factor leading to his decision to follow Christ was this is the most beautiful. This is the most compelling story. Um, so and, he, and he heard it gently from J.R.R. Tolkien, who they were both experts in stories, writing their, their mythology, if you will. And Tolkien is, is arguing that this is the greatest myth, but using myth in the sense of, of, of an academic term, this is the, this is the story. And you're right. I think Lewis was obviously familiar with, you know, the grand design or the grand purpose, if you will, or the, or the first cause. I mean, the man was a brilliant <laughs> Oxford Don. Okay, he was so, no dummy. Yeah, but to hear Tolkien share this from a more narrative perspective, I think Lewis, um, as he said, he reluctantly <laughs> gave in. No, I think what he called himself the most reluctant convert in England or something I like think that. So that sounds uh, right. But uh, but you're right. It was a story, you know, that was that drew him in. Well, my culture is just completely infatuated with stories. I mean, think about it. What? Why is Netflix so powerful? All it is is a conglomeration of readily available stories. You know, and mm -hmm. they're compel if they're compelling enough, we'll watch them. We'll even watch one after another. <laughs> Yes, we will. <laughs> you know, if it's compelling enough. And and I would say, I realize for some people, maybe that's an, an out to reality or, you know, mind-numbing, if you will. But for many people, it's just the power of a story. And that, uh, so I like that, that book we've also been reading, Telling a Better Story. You know, this idea that we have this incredible grand narrative, but learning new ways to share it and, and finding yourself in it. I think is is so important in, in apologetics and evangelism. So, so yeah, right. we we just are, we're just you know we're we're just beginning a conversation. Now, obviously, we've talked about this through the years, but this is just a more intentional year, you know, effort, if you will, for this right. year. So, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, me too. So, if I can ask a question of methodology, mm -hmm. we're learning to tell a better story. I don't know that it's immediately intuitively uh, clear why you chose to start with Genesis 1-1. <laughs> mm -hmm. So why, especially given that we're moving to John, why mm -hmm. Genesis? Mm -hmm. A number of reasons. Um, first of all, that's what John did, in my opinion. You know? I would agree with you. <laughs> so John starts his gospel in the beginning. So any Jew knows this man is is hearkening back to these, the original story and connecting this to this grand, incredible drama that God's put in place. So that's one thing I would say. It's a great introduction to John. Plus, I would also say that it is our, this is where our story begins. And 
And so if you really want to have a deep appreciation of this narrative and how compelling it is, well, the only way to do that, I think, is to go back to the very beginning and understand what who God is, what God has done, and what God intends. And that sets the stage for every other conversation, in my opinion. And so that's all laid out in Genesis. You know, um, in the beginning, God, he's not explained, he's met. He's, he's not, um, there's not this philosophical argument given. There's a narrative that just demonstrates his presence and his power and his purposefulness. And so all of that, to me, is underneath um, the, the gospel story, issues like human dignity. You know, you go back and read all these epics, you know, the Gilgamesh epic or the um, um, Enuma Elish, all of those. There's no, there is no dignity in humanity. There's, it doesn't call for that. There's no moral imperative. There's no sense of, uh, of purpose. You know, it's almost like human beings exist to house and feed the gods, so to speak. You know, you you, <laughs> you have to, and the gods are annoyed with them. Yeah, build these temples and make sacrifices, and you know, and and an attempt to placate this this group, this constellation of um, immoral, um, dissatisfied, immature, um, just set of deities. <laughs> They're basically just really powerful. Corrupt yes, people. Right, yeah. And so, and you contrast that with the dignity of the story that's shared in the in the book of Genesis. Um, it's, it's just, it's powerful in its contrast to me. Right. And so, I look at my world today, which is, I think, very chaotic and unstable and searching for some footing somewhere and don't even realize sometimes when it happens to them but they immediately are drawn to it. You know, for example, when Demar Hamlin gets injured, terrible thing, and um, a scary thing for everybody. Oh yeah. But all of a sudden, ESPN is issuing a call to prayer. ESPN <laughs> is issuing a call to prayer across America. Nobody protested. Nobody got mad. Nobody said, "Well, now wait a minute. You can't be asking people to pray." Right. Almost every commentator said, "Hey, Demar, we're praying for you. Our prayers are with you. Our thoughts are with you." And it was like there was just this sense of a footing that everybody was comfortable with. Yeah, of course. Well, yes, of course we will do that. Fascinating, you know. So I'm not saying that civil religion is the answer. That's not my point. It just signaled to me something about human beings that realize there's something transcendent about us. There is something to this idea that there is a, a God. What, what do we know about him? Well, one of the things we believe about him is that he intervenes in people's lives. Right. <laughs> You know, fascinating. So, um, so I think there's this this desire to have a a foundation, if you will. So, to me, Genesis is where you start. I, I think it's the most New Testament, Old Testament book. <laughs> you know, it's this, these themes of of sin, of purposefulness, of redemption, of hope, of judgment, of covenant, um, of of um, of promise, of stewardship, and all that's in the book of Genesis. So, I feel like we ha- we had to start there. And even though I'll be using John a lot all through the year, we're going to refer back to Genesis because I just think we have to, um, to even give us the context to have the conversation about John, really, about right. the gospel. So that, that's what led me to Genesis, and, uh, and it is the, it's the beginning. And so on Wednesdays, what I want to do is spend this whole year in Genesis. So that's what we'll do. 
we're, we're just going to study Genesis. For 50 chapters, I think. Yeah, it'll take us a while. <laughs> it'll take us Particularly as slow. You know how I am, as slow as I am to get through stuff. Um, <laughs> there's, but but um, my model for that kind of study was Dr. McGorman from Southwestern Seminary, and he used to tell us, um, he, he was just this wonderful Scottish theologian, uh, New Testament scholar. And um, he used to tell us that he, he didn't like teaching the, the survey class because in, in, in Southwestern Luke, the way we did it, you had to take a year-long introduction to the New Testament. So you basically did um, the Gospels and Acts, and then you did Romans and Revelations, basically how it worked. And typically, you'd take the same professor. So, you know, you start in the fall and then go to the spring. And Dr. McGorman used to tell us that he, he and he also taught book studies and he taught Greek and you know exegesis and all that, but he did do the surveys because the seminary wanted brand new students to be introduced to Dr. McGorman because he he was just such a great teacher. Right. But he used to tell us all the time, I don't like doing these surveys because we not we don't get very far because there's just too many good places to camp, and so you'd find yourself almost at the end of the semester and you're still in Mark, you know, and you're thinking we're supposed to do. Luke, John, and Acts in this class, and right. we're in like Mark five, you know. And, and, but somehow Dr. it's always Acts that gets the Acts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So uh, anyway, but I feel that way when I'm when I'm doing this study on Wednesdays. There's so many good places to camp, and Genesis for sure will be that way for us. But uh, but it's funny to me also another thing, Luke, that's in my mind is that you know when I've taught youth or even children, I probably get more questions about. Genesis are issues that are covered in Genesis than anything else. Mm. You know, where did we come from? How old is the earth? What happened to the dinosaurs? Were, were, was Adam and Eve, is that a real story? Were these real people? Um, did Abraham really live? Um, you know, where where's the Garden of Eden? Um, or did the Jews really go to Egypt? What's you the know? deal with Ishmael? Yeah, right. So what happened to Hagar? I mean... It's just funny to me that even even this past weekend, um, in my garage, I, we were doing something, and Ada, my eight-year-old granddaughter, said, "Puppy, so have you have you ever figured out if Adam was alive when the dinosaurs were, or if the dinosaurs were already dead when Adam was alive?" So here's a little eight-year-old girl who has been to church Sunday. She's listening to me a little bit, talk about Genesis in between her coloring and writing her own, you know, whatever an eight-year-old's doing. But it's still in her mind. And so that was her question for the day, you know, a Genesis question. <laughs> and so I thought to myself, good, we're we're walking through Genesis. Yeah. A lot of people camp here with questions. It intersects with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a lot of the questions of how faith relates to science. And I mean, there's yes. just right. so much for us to unpack in the right. book of Genesis. Right. And uh, And I'm looking forward to doing that on Wednesday. So... You know, Which if, you can watch you, online if you're not able online. to attend. Right. I would encourage you to do that yeah. if you're working or otherwise yeah. engaged. And you can watch it anytime, which is the cool thing. You know? and, uh, and so I think it's going to be a good, healthy conversation for us. I'm looking forward to it. I love the book of Genesis. And, um, you know, it's uh, like you said, even faith and science, the whole conversation about what's the purpose of science? What's the purpose of faith? What is the Bible really addressing? Why do I feel so defensive sometimes as a Christian about it? Mm. Um, why can't I let it speak the way, you know, in, into the realm into which it was designed to speak and um, let science speak into its realm? They really, to me, they're they're addressing two very different questions. They have, they're complementary, but they're not the same at, at all, you know? Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> so, 
Um, and I'm okay with that and learning intellectually how to arrive at, at the place where you can where you can be um, at peace, you know, without surrendering your intellect, which I think some people think that's impossible to do when actually it's incredibly possible to do, you know. You got some of the greatest minds today in that in the field of science are redeemed minds, and so that's always been the history, always been the case. So um, I'm at peace with all of that. But but Genesis is a great place to have that conversation. So so yeah, there are a lot of reasons why I wanted to start there, um, beginning of a new year. But I just couldn't get past John starting his gospel in the beginning, and uh, and I thought, well, it's, good it's not just John. a coincidence that he did yeah, that. That's right. Yeah, it's good enough for him. It's good enough for me. It's a good place to start. Sets the stage for so much of what I want us to talk about this coming year. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and then I love the, you know, just my encounter with God on page one of the Bible. My goodness. As I said Sunday, you've got these plural nouns that are used to describe him. Elohim. Um, yeah. The but, him is the plural in yeah, Hebrew. Yeah. But you've got the singular verb. Barah. Yeah. yeah. Which, which you look at it and you think, okay, so what is... What is and, and I don't view the Bible as just a, a book of literature. It is that, but not solely that for me. I think it is the Word of God that is inspired by the Spirit of God. So why so why is God communicating this about Himself on the very first page? He appears in complexity and almost enigmatic right off the bat. <laughs> you know that I have to pause. I don't have to in English. I can just keep going. But in Hebrew, I have to pause oh, and go, rich. Hey, wait one second here now. <laughs> you know? And then that I love um, uh, Derek Kidner says, Barah, this create, it's an impressive verb, as he calls it. And it's very, it's only used yeah, in the Hebrew Testament yeah. for something God does. Right. Which is incredible. Only God Barahs. Yeah. So what does that mean? Yeah. So, I mean, just page one, I'm just so. Um, I, I'm just paused in my spirit and in my brain with what I'm learning about God and how he's bringing order out of all this chaos and he's, he's introducing purpose and dignity into all of this. Yeah. Such a contrast, as you know, to all these ancient documents, right. accounts of history, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, I think about if you are reading Genesis 1 and you read God's spirit hovering over the waters and Hebrew literature Water is often symbolic. You may be getting into this on Wednesday, so yeah. I'm sorry if I'm That's stealing okay. your thunder. That's true. The water is the symbol of chaos. Right. Uh, so in the Bible, when you read water, most often it's symbolizing the forces of chaos. So right. the Genesis right off the bat is saying God is over the chaos mm -hmm. and orders it. Mm -hmm. It's powerful. It is. You get to Revelation and there's no more sea. <laughs> You know? And that's and that's why the sea yeah, is chaos. That's right. Finally, we got rid of it. <laughs> so, but the Bible opens in darkness. Yeah, with God hovering. And that is, I could sit there for a while, you know, and just and it was formless and void. I mean, there is the chaos and the emptiness, and it's almost like now the rest of the of the first page, he just fills the void with awesomeness. <laughs> yeah. It's A to Z. <laughs> it's incredible. And I love how uh, people, uh, we've always accused the British of being masters of the understatement. They seem to say things succinctly, maybe smugly, I don't know, um, but uh, but at least succinctly. <laughs> and, uh, and I wonder if Moses wasn't a little British because you get like to the end of the story and he says, and thus the universe was created in all its vast array. <laughs> 
And there you go. <laughs> Mary O'Neill, if you're listening, <laughs> we right. love you. <laughs> That's right. We do. We do. But I just think, wow, what a, what is this? One of my favorite verses in Genesis. And there it is. <laughs> you know, it's almost like when Luke says, and so we came to Rome, you know, and I'm thinking, okay. And it was good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So uh, I love that, that. And so I've just gone in one page, I've gone from darkness and chaos and emptiness and void and all of that. And now all of a sudden I'm in fullness and it's rich and it works and it's it's got dignity and purpose and it's it's connected it's got the whole understanding of the contrast of light and dark and day and night and male and female it's like mm-hmm. all this is introduced and we're on page 1 and I, and I love that that little comment and thus the vast array was done you know yeah <laughs> like, wow and god rested what a what a great word so yeah I it love is it. and if you are new to the bible i think you're you're more of a greek person. True. Yeah. I, You're I lean, my Hebrew man. I lean so. more Hebrew. Yeah. Greek is a language of precision. Mm-hmm. Which why it's so good. And you know, the New Testament was written in it. So go ahead, brother. Make your case. <laughs> <laughs> Hebrew. I mean, just right off the bat, you've only got 22 letters. Mm-hmm. If, if you're new to Hebrew, there are only mm-hmm. tw- 22 letters mm-hmm. in its alphabet. Most Hebrew words are only ever three letters long. Mm-hmm. So you're pretty much limited to a small number mm-hmm. of words. Mm-hmm. So when Hebrew is written, typically, even though there's a word on the page, that word is not just a reference to one thing. It's typically a whole cloud right. of meaning. Right. And that's intentional. One of, one of my challenges with Hebrew, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, I like Greek. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> but it's this cloud of meaning rather than a precise pinpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, Greek is laser focused. Mm-hmm. Hebrew is the light that warms mm-hmm. the hillside. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's trying it leans into that artistically when it uses words. Um, yeah, like day. Yeah, it's a day. Yom. Yom. Okay. It's well, a lot it's of things. The day of atonement. It's the Lord's day. Yeah. It's it's a day. I mean, you're right. There's just it's every Hebrew word, which did make it hard for me because I am left brain. Westerner. has about six meanings. Yeah, so Greek, man. I mean, if you want to use this word for love, use this word for love. If you want to use that word, well, then use that word. If you want to use it, well, then use that word. You know, I love that about Greek. Whereas Hebrew's like, oh, it's a patak. Is it a door? Is it my mouth? That's right. That's right. Yes. Is it a cave opening? I don't know. It's an opening. That's it. And uh, But I love, I do love that those words are all pregnant. That that is, And that, again, gives you pause, you know, Um, because you do have to stop. And give consideration. There's a. I will agree about. I'd say this about Hebrew, Luke. As hard as it was for me, still is. Uh, every year, I try to do some. I practice my a little bit of Hebrew writing because I'm terrible at it. You know, it's not Hebrew easy. Characters, my goodness. I was actually watching a tutorial over the Christmas holidays, and here I am, 40 years in ministry, and I'm watching this Hebrew tutorial. I'm going, oh yeah, I forgot. That's how you draw Aleph. You know, I don't draw it that way anymore. So, anyway, so I'm that's Google is hard. Oh, I don't blame you. So I'm I'm looking at it, and uh, and I will have to say there is a poetic quality to Hebrew that you don't have in Greek, and so um, Greek is left brain, scientific. Um, my goodness, massive vocabulary, you know, with Greek. I love that. And in, in, in these long, complex Greek sentences, you know, that Paul is famous for, you know, right. just going, please help me find a verb. If I can just find one verb, I know I'm going to figure out what this is saying. And uh, <laughs> I can always find the verb in a Hebrew sentence. <laughs> yeah. I can't always tell you what it means. <laughs> yeah, right. And so Hebrew is more poetic 
Um, and you're right. It's, it's that gentle light on a hillside. And it's beautiful. And so Genesis 1, think about it. How, how do you tell the story of creation? I mean, just how everything starts. And you get this, um, what I was taught was in seminary, that, that, that page one is semi-poetic narrative. It's not pure poetry. No. But it's also not just pure narrative. It's got this, and there was evening and morning. It has a cadence. And it was good. And God said, and there was evening and morning. I mean, you got this, this poetic rhythm, but somehow the poet, the author, um, can still weave a narrative <laughs> without being strictly poetry, and yet it's got this poetic feel to it. And I, I'll admit, I'm drawn to the older I've gotten, the more appreciative I've become of of Hebrew. Um, I will still come to you when I'm looking for something, though. So just know that. But uh, I'll, it's I'll, gonna be rough. I'll, I'll live in the New <laughs> Testament, and, uh, <laughs> but uh, but I do love that, and I love, and it's interesting. So when you think about how do you tell this story? of creation. And so you get this semi-poetic narrative that is precise enough to have content and structure and meaning and robust enough to, to truly tell a story, and yet it is nebulous enough to, to where you hold it a little bit loosely, you know, and realize it's not a, this isn't a scientific textbook. That's not what this is. No. This is a, 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 a from a spiritual Jewish perspective, monotheistic, rooted in the covenant God of Israel, this is how it all started. Let us explain to you violent people of the world right. that this world is. is not the rotting corpse of a God. That's right. So I, I do love that. So all that to say, let's start with Genesis. Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> place to start. Anyway. And I like anyway. what you said about the Jewishness of it. I think sometimes we forget that we are not the sole owners That's right. of the Old Testament. That's this right. is a shared history, it a is. shared text. And it's the Word of God. It is. So, so as we listen and interpret, mm -hmm. we owe our Jewish brothers mm -hmm. and sisters some mm -hmm. consideration here. We do, for sure. I mean, this is the cradle. This is the, you know, you. I mean, that's why I don't, I get it. I understand some people would think, okay, well, let's just give people a copy of the New Testament. I, I get that. But whew, it, it it almost feels disingenuous to me. I can't, I can't really. How do I know what a new is if I don't know what the old is? How how do I how do I know who the son of David is? Um, I, you know what I mean? How how does that even make any sense? Jesus is would be significant without Abraham, but the fulfillment of the yes, promise yes, is significant yes. because of the promise God makes to Abraham yeah. that through the, yeah. Abraham and Abraham's yeah. line, right. All of the families of the world will be blessed. Right. Yeah. I mean, to me, I get it. Like I said, my dad used to hand out little New Testaments to everybody. I understand that. My daddy was a Jesus man, you know. Um, I am too. But man, there's something inside of me. I want to know the I wanna know the the real I wanna know the rest of the story. I wanna know the real story. I wanna know the and these context. are human stories. Yeah, it's powerful. So yeah, I love it all. It's awesome. So I'm excited. Yeah, it's gonna be a good year. It is. It's gonna be a great year. Mm -hmm. So Pastor's Bible study is on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Working through Genesis. Well, I think we're in Genesis for one more week with two more weeks mm -hmm. with preaching. Yeah, and preaching then we two more. Yeah, pivot to John. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we got to get the world created and we got to get human beings. So we got a couple of weeks here. Some significant <laughs> events. That's right. Um, but it's going to be a great year. So thanks for listening, everyone. That's right. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening.